All right, so we are the Smoking Jays. We're here to discuss relationships, marriage, and parenthood. Parenthood. A podcast about three guys, three chapters, three attitudes. Three attitudes. And what's up, party people? And welcome to a brand new episode of the Smoking Jays, found exclusively right here on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. And that's right, it's me, it's me, it's JCB, Johnny Bones, back again in the hot seat with my tag team partner, the usual suspect. He is the dad joke enthusiast. Let's give it up for the one mm-hmm. and the only, just mm-hmm. Jared. But Jared, before you start, I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna flip the script here. Uh-oh. Do you know why you can't hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? Because the pee know, but... is silent. Mm, yep. If that if that was cringeworthy, I hope uh I hope you accepted that one, Jared. Because uh I, I like it. I like it. And also, um if you're if you are Russian when you go into the bathroom mm-hmm. and you're American on the way out, what are you while you're in the bathroom? I don't know. European. Bingo. Bingo. That was awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, let's introduce that other voice you may have just heard. We're going to introduce our guest, our guest host tonight. We're going to introduce T, someone who has over 20 years of experience in the child care industry. Uh, we're going to follow up on a conversation uh, me and the guys were having a couple of weeks ago about behaviors uh, at a very young age. So T, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, please tell us all a little bit about yourself and your your uh, experience in the industry? Uh, so I have been in the industry since I was very young. Um, before I was even allowed to work, I started doing counselor and training type things and babysitting on the side. Um, always loved being with children and, and watching their development. I ended up doing some teaching through college. I actually went to college for psychology. Um, I really enjoyed child development and and different things like that. So that's where that interest came from. Um, been in the educational childcare um, setting for probably about 20 years and uh, have been an administrator for 20, uh, 15 years or so, over 15 years. Um, I've been a regional manager, so I've, I've overseen several centers where I've, I've uh, worked with the directors. I've been with over, you know, 22, 23 centers working with owners of a franchise company and uh, working with them and their directors. So I've been, been around, I've been around the block, been around for quite a while. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> kind of fell into this. So expert at maybe in childcare, expert in dad jokes, you know, little of both. <laughs> Love that. That's well, great it's, expertise to have, by the way. The dad jokes. That it is. <laughs> so it definitely sounds like though your expertise will will help uh, follow up on our conversation. So uh, to to catch you up to speed, uh, my son is 19 months old. Uh, my son Matteo Luca, first of his name. Long may he reign. Long may uh, he reign. <laughs> we got his first incident report a couple weeks ago with him at daycare, um, and we have been discussing things with the, the daycare director about ways to support, you know, our son and his growth and development. And um, I just wanted to know from your experience at a young age, you know, under the age of two, we'll, we'll keep it down to, to that, that benchmark under, under the age of two, 
when when certain disciplines are happening, whether they would be physical or just uh, emotional in class, you know, what, what, do you? Well, obviously, I'm sure you feel that it is very important for the teacher and the and the parents to work together to support. But in your experience, though, what are some good ways or good methods you have found have been very successful? So with this behavior specifically, um, redirection is is generally the the best, um, and finding triggers, which we can get a little more into later. But I think that, I mean, obviously there's all the things that you know, right? You need a supportive environment. You need a, a, a calm environment. So, you know, teachers and staff members that aren't going to overreact when when things happen because children feed off of that, that energy. Um, I mean, generally a very structured class works well for especially biting behaviors, um, predictability. Mm -hmm. And it is going to sound crazy, but making sure that the the environment is set up with escape routes, um, which is one of the the, the biggest things um, a lot of people don't think about in in this type of situation. So, let's say that you have a, a kitchen area. You know, they have like a play kitchen. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that if uh, if more than one child is playing in there at one time they're not going to be boxed in where if they can't get away from a certain situation that they, the only thing that they have to do is to react. You wanna make sure there's definitely more than one kind of exit route in each one of the centers that they play in. Right. So there's a lot of factors really. Mm -hmm. That That is definitely something I didn't even think about. I, I think of, I think of the, your standard explanations of, um, lack of verbal ability or, mm -hmm. or they're still in development mm -hmm. Absolutely. or uh, coming from maybe a single child home into a multi-child situation, such as a daycare type setting where they're having that adjustment. I didn't even think of like an escape route type, like mm -hmm. being boxed in, I, which is crazy because you hear about that with animals, cats, dogs, right. things like that. And not to parallel kids with that. Well, I guess that's not such a stretch, but it, it it's not a stretch of the imagination that that basic tendency. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I do want yeah. to ask you, T, do you feel like uh, with your experience over the past couple of years, you know, coming out of a global pandemic and, you know, children being quarantined for so long and like my son's 19 months old, he's essentially was a pandemic baby. You know, he he grew up knowing what FaceTime was before he knew how to interact with other children. He's only been in daycare since October of this past year. So only been about four months, which is his f first real experience being surrounded by other children. He does. He is. A, he's our, my only son uh, right now. So he doesn't have any siblings to work with. Do you feel like the quarantine aspect of the pandemic we just came out of has a large effect on behaviors with children now? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not one of it, it's one of the factors, but I don't think it's the only because then you would only have seen biting after the pandemic, right? Which right, we never, right. we've always seen fighting. Um, it's something that is very common. Mm. Um, it, we say this and take it with a grain of salt, but it is very normal. It's a very mm. normal behavior. Right. Um, it is age appropriate at 19 months, 100%. Mm. Um, it's not encouraged. <laughs> it's not something that, you know, the same as maybe hitting or pushing would be, right? You want right. to make sure that you're um, kind of curbing those behaviors. But I think that that this one specifically um, tends to have a lot of emotion and, and uh, energy charged behind it for both the parents of the biter 
mm-hmm. and you know parents of of children that have been bit but at, you know post pandemic i think that because the socialization wasn't there i mean i always say like look at look at your pants right now how long have you had that pair of pants it probably is more than 19 months right so if you think about that and then you think of how long um you know your son has been on the earth and able to solve problems and figure things out and then you put him in a room of a whole bunch of toys that he could play with but children that he's never played with before and taking those toys or say you know being in his face or Mm -hmm. you know whatever his triggers may be um then that that's a very different situation a lot of different things that he needs to to pan out and figure out right now, I do want to circle back to something that Jared mentioned about, you know, being nonverbal and non-communicative. You know, my, my son is still at that point where he's not really saying two-word phrases quite yet, but he has a very, very small vocabulary. But I think, you know, I, I personally feel that right now the, the the biting incidents is coming out of pure frustration because he can't communicate, yep. uh, you know, obviously to other children. Uh, so in situations like that at 19 months, you know, what are some tricks of the trade, if you will, that you, you would suggest, you know, for the parents of a non-communicative child and how to really help get him to, besides the obvious, like, you know, you know, talking, showing them the things and naming what you're pointing at, things like that. Are there any other tricks of the trade you could, you could uh, tell us? Um, and with that, trying to have them say the words back to you, even if they're not a hundred percent is definitely helpful. I know a lot of times we want to speak for them, and, and kind of help them along. Right. Um, but really trying to get them to communicate that to you as well as if, I don't know if you've tried this yet, but utilizing um, like baby signs or American sign language can yes. absolutely help to, um, for the, some of those, those other things, um, even like saying frustrated or gentle mm-hmm. doing the, you know, the sign for gentle, like we're going to be right. gentle now. Um, those types of things can help him to feel like he has more control over the situation because that's a lot of what it is, right? Is that mm-hmm. he has something that he wants to say. And like you say, he gets frustrated and especially in a emotional environment where he's, he's got something that he's trying to relate and he can't mm-hmm. to have something that he can use. So, you know, some kind of a, a verbal or a nonverbal cue that he can give. Right. Well, one thing I will say when he did finally start communicating with us, it was through sign language. And he got that from watching the show that I talked about on, here on, on this show couple times on youtube called miss rachel i don't know if you're familiar with miss rachel uh on no, youtube no. it's it's a, a very good show that she puts on uh you know long story short she also had a non-communicative child so she started to do all these methods to help with sign language to help her child talk and then she made these videos to help you know speak uh the infants toddlers on how, how to speak using sign language and how to verbalize so he got from watching that how to say things like more food things like that. So he did start communicating with the sign language and he still does, but he's also starting to now associate the words with what he's, what he's asking for, you know? So uh, I do agree that the sign language, do you feel like there's any point that the sign language becomes a crutch and we should focus more on the verbal skills and not so much the, the hand gestures? No, not really. Um, It's almost like learning two languages, right? It's never a bad thing. Mm. Um, if you're using the sign language exclusively, that might stunt some of the verbal communication. So just using them both together. Um, right. So like when you're signing more, saying the word more, or do you mm-hmm. want more so that they can hear the entire um, sentence and start to put those words together. But it definitely does nothing except help the development of the child. Okay. Of course. Yeah, I, I do know that 
both of mine um, in the respective daycare that they started in, that was a huge thing and teaching that the sign language and then associating it with the word. And I mean, it was funny. I know, I just, I remember distinctly with James, it was the initial sound of more and his more was this, which I, I believe it's the two hands together. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was and as time went on, it went to more and then the sign language went away. So that was, that is definitely very, very good. And it, it did help a lot with the communication, the frustration levels, because you're kind of getting a better idea of what they want, not just the grabbing. Right. Right. And really the, the sign itself is, is secondary, unless you're actually teaching them American sign language and you want them to communicate with people, you know, in an ongoing manner, if they have maybe, you know, somebody who's hearing impaired that they, you know, are communicating with, but in most cases, the gesture itself is, is kind of secondary to the purpose, you know? So the fact that the more is that you knew that that was his more, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what he's using to communicate with you. Right. Now I want to go back to uh, just the support alone in, in, in helping, helping these behaviors, uh, you know? So like I said, us and, and the, the director of the daycare are discussing ways to, to, uh, to help support my son, but, we don't have the opportunity to see him act like the way he does in class when he's at home. Mm-hmm. So if we don't get to see him in the act, we can't address it in real time because we're not there when it happens. It's happening away from us around other children. Uh, what are some ways that you think the parents who don't necessarily see the opportunity to, okay, well, he's now going to go bite me. I'm going to go. Now I could address this. What, what are some, some things that you think we could do to help support our the teachers you know his teachers who are seeing it almost on a weekly basis and I think that's probably one of the most frustrating parts about having a biter because it usually does not happen in the home it's not usually something that that you're seeing um Mm -hmm. because they're not in the same environment that they would be in um and put into those situations where they need to quickly communicate um Mm -hmm. On top of that, you guys know him so well that you right. probably understand his cues so much better than the teachers and definitely the other children, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, working on whatever the trigger is. So if you're seeing that language is the barrier, um, then that would be what I would I would suggest focusing on at home is making sure that you're taking all that time to to speak to him as much as possible have him try to communicate with you in, a, in an environment where he feels, you know, safe and then kind of setting things up so that you can see if he gets frustrated, giving him some of those words or some of those mm-hmm. gestures that he could use. Cause then he'll use that with his teachers. Right. Okay. Good. That, that is what we have been doing. Uh, I just wanted to, again, get your, your opinion on that with your, with your experience. Um, one also other thing that we're doing is, are you familiar with the ASQ? Uh, questionnaire, 20 month questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, that's also something else that we're currently going through right now. Uh, kind of grading our son on different skills, communication, fine motor skills, things like that, personal and social skills. Um, what are your thoughts here on this questionnaire? And from your experience, have you found this uh, to have a, a high success rate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it can help to identify if there are any red flags in development. 
Mm-hmm. So that could be speech. It could be, you know, like you said, fine motor skills, maybe some mm-hmm. large motor skills, whatever those things might be. Um, and then I've seen huge success with getting children some services when they're younger and really setting them up for, for that success going forward to the point where a lot of times it's, you know, basically they're caught up within, you know, just a few months of some extra extra attention. So Mm -hmm. I constantly am, am pushing that, that if there are red flags, do questionnaires like that, bring it up to your pediatrician, um, anything that you can do to see what you could do to help, um, you know, kind of get them, get them to where they need to be. Right. Okay. Well, and it's funny because once that language comes, it's going to start coming quick and all of a sudden. (laughs) And then I heard once it starts, it never stops. That's right. <laughs> I was literally just thinking it's like we we push like, oh, the first words. I can't wait till the first words turn into the first mm-hmm. sentence. And then that day, like six, seven years later, where you get like, God, just leave me alone, dad. You mother. <laughs> I remember those days where you didn't talk back to me. Yep. Little shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So um, with. um. Jared, would you mind taking the next question? I lost my train of thought on what I was going to go. I'll let you take this next one. Oh, the train got derailed. So, got derailed. so I, I guess I, I struggle with the advice portion because I, I guess having my older son was not the biter. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually the bitey, mm-hmm. which I guess I could throw that out there. So I work, obviously I work in a, a field where privacy, considerate privacy is crucial. And I understand to a degree, um, the, the names have been changed to protect the innocent type of deal where, Hmm. well, we can't particularly say who it was, but like, I, I, is there any way where the name can be brought in for the sake of like, maybe there's more to it, or is that just like, that's like a hard line that there is no there's no benefit in bringing out the name. Yeah, there's definitely no benefit to bringing the name forward um, because essentially it's not your child. So what are you going to do about it anyway? Right. Um, so really it should be between the parent and the school. Um, it's a, a big confidentiality issue mm-hmm. um, if it's not. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the, the you know, how we're, how we're moving forward, what action steps we're taking, and then, um, you know, ensuring that all the children within the classroom are safe and feel secure. Um, I, I always have said with biting, the, the parents on both sides get more upset than the children do. Um, I think that, like they, it's like I said, that pair of genes, right? Like they have not been in the world long enough to have any type of stigma attached to it where, where we do, we see biting, we see it as like an animalistic behavior. We see it as, Mm. you know, vicious, or we see it as it's, it's really just a behavior, just like anything else. Um, we're the ones that attach everything else to it. Not to say that that makes it easy for a parent to see their child come home with bites, because clearly it's, it's not an easy thing. And we want to make sure that everybody's child is safe. Um, and, there are instances where biting becomes so severe 
or that there is a significant number of, of biting um, incidents that happen where a child might need to be asked to leave a program, um, which is never the, the best scenario ever. Right. Um, I was just about to ask if, if you've ever, if you've ever had that conversation and how did that go? Oh, I've had all the conversations. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, I should have brought my, I should have brought my popcorn. Damn. <laughs> I've got a conversation with parents that are very, you know, good about it. I've had parent, you know, parents that are, are yelling and screaming. I've had parents on both sides that are yelling and screaming. I mean, it's been, it's, it's a very emotionally charged, um, emotionally charged situation that happens, you know, yeah. um, which is completely understandable. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had to have kids exit a program and it's never been without the parent kind of knowing that that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, there's always action plans. There's always, you know, ways that we're dealing with it in the school. And then, Hey, like, this is our last stitch effort. If this doesn't work, like, I'm not sure what else we can do, you know? Yeah, at that point, at that point, it's in the best interest of the children of the child just to remove them from the situation. Absolutely, because something in the environment isn't Mm. isn't working for for the child, or you know, something maybe they need a smaller class size, maybe they need you know whatever it is. We obviously are not being able to provide what they need, and I always say that like it's not whenever a child needs to leave a program, it's not because of the child; it's because we aren't able to give that child what they need, whether that's, you know, additional services, whether that's a smaller class size, you know, whatever it is. Mm. Um, I never like to put that blame on a child because it's not the child's fault, you know? You know, I, I, See, I think, and I, ahead, I, put, ahead, I, I put that with the customers always right because I don't know. I, yeah, mm, I get it at, at 19. Is months. the customer the child or the parent just so that we know? That is that is a That's very a question. interesting question. I think at 19 months, the customer is the parent. Parent. Yep. I think as 19 months turns into 29 months, um, the customer is now the child because I've seen kids where I'm at like two and a half, and I'm like, oh, this kid's a dick. And I feel, <laughs> part of me feels bad saying like this this two and a half year old kid is a dick, but like mm. When he when he picks up like the Hess truck and walks over and just has that grin where you could almost see the horns come up through the air, and you're like, <laughs> I, I, no no no, I saw what you you were about to start swinging at like a nun truck. Good mm-hmm. try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes. I mean, they they are human, right? So mm. they are just little tiny humans. So some humans are um, better behaved than. <laughs> <laughs> How's was... playing it, PC? <laughs> mm, that was how you really good. feel, bastards. But, but Jared, that was actually <laughs> a really good segue because my question now, uh, now to UT is about the parents in situations like this where the children are still underdeveloped, uh, under the age of two. In situations like this, like I'll admit, when I got the first incident report, I, I got very, I got very paranoid. I'm like, not my kid. <laughs> What did this other kid do to make him do that? My kid yep. would never do that. But then I had to stop because like, I, I, I trust the education system. I trust the child care system. I was an educator for 18 years myself. So I do trust, you know, w- w- what the system is out there. 
So I have to kind of step out, step back for a minute, take a deep breath and go, okay, let's work together now with the daycare to work on this. But what, in your experience, what are some uh, stories, if you can share uh, from parents uh, in situations like that, where they're like, not my kid. And I mean, I think it's kind of what we spoke about before is, you know, clearly you're not seeing this behavior at home and clearly, you know, this has got to be hard for, for you to hear um, (laughs) that, that this happened. However, um, you know, this is a very different environment. They're put under different types of stresses and put into different decision-making processes that they're not quite used to yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I I always see it as cause and effect, especially around this age, right? Um, I get frustrated. I want that toy. You're trying to take that toy from me. I bite your hand, you let go, I get the toy. Right. Um, it's, It's very much in that way. They actually um, don't feel true empathy until around the age of three, which when I, I was learning that, I was like, no, there's no way. Like they know what, but they don't. They don't understand what others are really feeling. Um, they just basically know cause and effect. So they're, that's how they're kind of moving through the environment. Um, so just, I think having some knowledge of, of, of that and the why and kind of understanding that of, of course you wouldn't be seeing this at home mm-hmm. hopefully gives a little bit of of comfort to to know that you know while it's happening we're going to work through it you know right. well at least on the on the, the the good news he did have a very good day at daycare today no incidents reports uh from yes. today so <laughs> we are one for that- one right now I, I definitely you. know that tomorrow you're going to go in there and you're going to look at every center and see if there's escape rooms. Though. <laughs> exactly. See, I told you beating him with a stick works. I told you. Yeah, that there's is definitely. It is not what it is. <laughs> there's a philosophy out there um, mm-hmm. about that empathy piece where it's like, mm-hmm. if you want them to know that when they bite their friends, it hurts, you bite them back. Right. So I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, but we do get parents that ask that a lot, like, well, what if I just bite him at yeah. home or can, there's been parents that have said, can your teachers just bite them back? And I'm like, right. absolutely not. Like, our, no, absolutely not. Um, that is a, a very old world kind of way of thinking mm-hmm. is like, you know, if they can see that it hurts, they'll stop doing it to others. But because of that empathy piece, they're not necessarily going to make that um, that distinction. Basically, what they're doing is is causing a negative consequence because of an action, not helping them to understand that they're causing pain. Right, and if they see the same action as being continued by somebody else, they think that the action is okay, regardless of yep. the empathy piece. If, if I'm biting you, you're biting me back. Well, I'm going to keep biting you then. Yeah, going back and forth. Yep. That is that is definitely a very prehistoric um, method, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely Absolutely. No anymore. I would love to, I would love to know the logic behind that. Like, yeah. here's my kid who doesn't even understand words and not to mention you're putting easily hours of separation. Like there, there, there is seriously no cause and effect because the biting incident likely happened, who knows, nine, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And what you're bringing your, your kid home at four or five o'clock in the afternoon, the early evening and biting your kid. And it's like, because mm-hmm. again, as stated before, it's not happening at home. So right. we're just, we're just going to 
reactively bite our kid and then go, see, we don't do that as though they have any idea of what you just said besides, ow, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very counterproductive, that method. Um, but now, it's funny, Jerry, you just mentioned, you know, uh, in your in your scenario, you know, nine, 10 in the morning when it happens. Coincidentally, with my son, it's always been happening later in the afternoon after nap time during playtime. Um, and I don't know if that's just a coincidence that it's always been happening in the afternoon or if that time of day is causing something to, to, to make him feel a certain way, which is why he's l- lashing out in this way. Um, so traditionally, that time of day in the preschool, you know, daycare environment mm-hmm. um, is a little bit less structured. So that would be my thought process there. Um, a lot of times they have that morning routine. They do their circle time. Mm-hmm. They do their art project. They do their snack. They do that. You know, they have a very routine um, right. morning. They go down for a nap and then they wake up, have a snack and it's like, kind of a a free-for-all especially as the parents are coming to pick up because Mm -hmm. then the teacher keeps getting pulled away over and over again so to have a more structured environment in the afternoon is a little bit more difficult um oddly we saw a little bit more structure in the afternoon settings when parents were no longer coming into the the classrooms or the buildings um after covid i don't know if Mm -hmm. you were you, you said you were enrolled just in uh in October so October, you didn't yeah. so you didn't live through this kind of process but we um for some time the in the child care centers they weren't the parents were not allowed to come into the building and had to just you know leave their children at the door and there would be somebody mm-hmm. that would walk them back um and it seemed like the the teachers kind of had more time to do that um mm-hmm. that afternoon uh scheduling so because they weren't being interrupted and talking to the parent over and over again so while we want to create that relationship, um, I think that it kind of set a little bit of a precedent of, of a little bit less time at pickup, but a little bit more communication with maybe, um, you know, we have e-communication systems. So a little bit right. more communication through that or a nap time phone call in order to make sure that that, that conversation can happen um, with the parents and encouraging, you know, that type of, of communication. So I would, I would definitely look into that as well, especially if that's the time period that it seems like it's happening. Right. Um, if they're in like open free centers that mm-hmm. it might be a little bit overwhelming. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm actually really glad you pointed that out. But uh, my question is if, if, if they felt like the, the process during COVID was, was working so well, it was a little, a little more format, a little more of a routine don't you think it, it would benefit the daycares to adopt that same method even post pandemic and still use that in the schools? Or is there a reason why they went back to just having the parents come in and get their kids out of the class? I think there were benefits to it um, and there were negatives to it as well. So um, obviously the benefits I just kind of talked about a little mm-hmm. bit, but that relationship piece and having the parent not really know their teacher so well. Um, was was tough because the something little would happen and they were like you know they fly off the handle because they don't know they don't know the teacher they don't know what the classroom looked like um they don't they kind of didn't know it was an uneasy feeling I think Mm -hmm. for parents Mm -hmm. so um I think that's where there was that disconnect so after um COVID it, it took some 
some transition. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of centers chose not to to do it right away um, and kind of held back, or they'd allow drop off just at the door, but you know, not coming into the, the classroom um, for a little while, um, and just kind of transitioning back into that um, that routine. Mm -hmm. Are there any methods that were put into play during COVID that uh, you, you feel like some daycares do still uh, put into the, into their daily routines? Or pretty with much regards, after, after uh, with anything, with, uh, with drop-off, pickup of the students, of just maybe the, the daily routine with the students or the, the students, the children, um, uh, anything that, that they felt like was advantageous for them to continue to do that they adopted during pandemic and then they continue to use it if, if, if maybe there isn't anything. Not that really that I can think of. I feel like things have gone pretty back to normal um, okay. at this point. I mean, I could mm -hmm. definitely say sanitation proce procedures have gotten sure. way, way heftier, uh, which is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. um, Centers but are that's, much cleaner now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Much and wonderful. and much more aware, I think. Right. You know, um, a lot of times it was like, oh, it's a child care. Of course, they're going to get sick. But now it's like, like no 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 we don't do that We're right like i i know we've we've talked oh god at least two or three times on here in different episodes about and it i i happen to mention uh the process with the one center that i know you are aware of that both of my boys were at mm -hmm. my my least favorite word in the world uh coxsackie oh yeah um, and how it was like full shutdown, full scrub down. Mm -hmm. um, has that has that popped up as much as it yeah. used to? But you want to know something interesting, and this happened in um, right right now. I'm overseeing about 20 centers, and this happened in two or three of my centers post COVID. There was one case of Kaksaki. Wow! And I was like, wait, 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 wait. There was one case, like nobody else in the class got it. Like how, just really? one. Like just one. That, that's <laughs> astonishing. A very contagious, um, you know, hmm. disease, I guess, illness. Right. Um, yeah. And then there was a couple of other things that were like that too. Um, now it seems to be everybody's getting sick. I think there's just the immune systems are down and, you know, mm -hmm. things are popping up everywhere. So it seems like there's kind of this, this, you know, everything, everybody's got everything. Except for those of us who always went back to work. Those of us who always went back to work don't have that problem. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But I'm glad you said that because I, I do but, feel yeah. like, I mean, I mean, ever since um, Mateo started going to daycare, I feel like every couple of weeks he was sick. I mean, yep. he, he, uh, he, we enrolled him in October and his second weekend, he was already out for 10 days, Yep. you know, and, and also every other week, someone new has RSV, which is RSV becoming very huge. popular now, huge right now in daycares. <laughs> uh, but I'm actually surprised at Kaksaki, the hand, foot, mouth. Uh, I was aware of it because when I, when I grew up, my mother, uh, she ran a daycare as well. So I was very familiar with it. Uh, I never had it, but that's one thing I have not, knock on wood, have not heard of uh, come out of my son's daycare at all and i feel like yeah that's crazy that you said only one one case of that um that thing was so contagious yeah. there was always stories about that and that was one thing i was and i was about. like oh had you know this had to be this fluke and then it was like right. another center was like we had a case of cocksucking like one case a case huh. wow <laughs> you know and it's, it's, i'm like this is crazy that's that's great it's mm -hmm. amazing 
It it really is because I just remember I remember you'd see like the one kid would who you always knew when I dropped off that kid was there when I picked up that kid was there that kid's out then another one's out and then the email came out oh yep we're doing a full scrub down this yep. is the situation no names were given obviously for medical privacy and all that and I get that but yep full scrub down. And then sure enough, you would like, just do the, okay, come on, come on. I just need two more days, two more. Damn, there it is. <laughs> and now, and to hear what, cause they would just start dropping like flies and to hear one that's because I mean, kids that hands and mouth, it's just, synony- I mean, shit, mine are 12 and almost 10 and, and still, hand mouth like what bro mm-hmm. stop fucking stop mm-hmm. you're, you're almost 10 like stop it and it's and i think a lot of it had to do with the hand washing right there was so much yes. emphasis on hand yeah. washing oh my god um, my knuckles home. are still dry yeah at home in the child care centers yeah. um and just that that routine that they got into um where they were constantly washing their hands they'd see their hand go toward their mouth and they're like oh go wash your hands yeah, like it. we have to wash right. our hands again you know so I think that 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 definitely helped. Unfortunately, now it seems that um, it's it's actually starting to to simmer down a little bit. But I think through the late fall, um, you know, through like the holiday season, there was a lot of things that people were getting. Yeah, RSV was a big one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a couple of things out there, strep throat and right. Oh. And, All those uh, fun things. Yeah, and and eventually, you know, now that now that the world has reopened again, eventually these kids' immune systems will get a little bit stronger, and mm-hmm. hopefully, the people, the kids, won't be getting sent home sick as often as they have been. So, um, but I just want you know, uh, you've answered a lot of our questions, and I really thank you again for being on the episode. But I did want to ask, uh, besides the questionnaire that I have mentioned, the ASQ questionnaire, um, what other methods do you feel like are uh, advantageous for parents with a with a child who has a uh, behavioral issue in daycare uh, to help support the teachers with? So, I mean, definitely bringing things up with the pediatrician um, and talking with them about any resources that they can pro- they can provide or or give you. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, I mean, they only see your child for a, a short period of time. However, if they right. give some resources. Um, they might be able to do evaluations with your child that are a bit longer or come into the child care center and do evaluations there, which I always think are, are the best way to do them because um, you'll be able to see kind of in that same environment where the, mm-hmm. the behavior is happening, what is actually happening within the environment. So, um, you know, definitely bringing things up to your pediatrician, trying to stay as um, positive as possible in mm-hmm. working with the child care center um, and, you know, being open to suggestions and giving suggestions and really creating a partnership there with the child care director and the teachers as well. Um, I mean, I was a, a teacher uh, for a long time before I moved into admin roles and mm-hmm. there is nothing more frustrating than being a teacher and knowing that a child um, has has biting behavior and not mm. catching it in time, it's right. just as as hard for them um, because then now it's you know 
uh, I allowed this child to bite and then I allowed your child to get bit. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a kind of guilty feeling, I think, for the teachers as well. Um, but that. helping yeah. them to know that you're there to support them and, and let me know what we can do to partner with you. And, and that relationship is, is really key. It helps them to like look deeper, I think. Right. That's awesome. Well, T, thank you so much again. Uh, Jared, do you have any other uh, parting words or any other questions um, for T before we uh, sign off? Do, do you find that there's a greater abundance of resources available to Android users as opposed to iPhone users? Oh, my God. We just went full circle there. Yep. Mm, no, <laughs> I, 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 I don't. Um, only thing I can say is how appreciative I am of the fact that um, I'm now starting to deal with middle school problems and not nonverbal child problems. And I know you can relate because I know your youngest, correct, is close to my youngest age. Yep. 10. Yep. Yep. So. Except uh, that she's a girl. And so yeah. I'm dealing with a different whole set of, oh of my God. almost Oof, middle yeah. school problems. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I, um, I have to say her 17 year old brother was, uh, was, was a lot easier to handle during this time. <laughs> that's why whenever I hear the, Oh, but the, I mean, I know you have two, but don't you want daddy's little girl? <laughs> no, no, my wife, uh, my, my wife keeps dropping those hints to me all the time for mm. the next one. And I said, I don't know, babe. I don't know. Mm. Nope. Well, we'll wait it and is, see. It is trying times here in this household. <laughs> oh, God. oh, I could imagine. I could imagine. Well, T, thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, really, you are a wealth of knowledge and uh, really it was a great conversation. So thank you for all, all the education you gave us today. Yep, absolutely. And you're always welcome Appreciate back. Appreciate you guys here. having me on. Of course, you're definitely welcome back here again. We'll find another topic that we feel like you'd be a great guest to uh, to hop in on the conversation. So thank you well, so much again. How great iPhones are. Got it. Uh, we can talk all about how awesome <sighs> iPhones are. And Jared will not be on that episode. <laughs> what do you so, call a cow with two legs oh you had to get one more in before the day was over bean beef oh geez oh it's delightful yeah. every day at work i share one it's, oh, it's, it's awesome it's rough it's funny because i have this book of dad jokes right next to me and i really got to take mm -hmm. it out more often when i'm when i'm doing these uh podcasts with you jared but on that note, ladies and gentlemen, if this is your first time tuning into the Smoking Jays, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. So you can check out Smoking Jays and all the other great shows we have right here on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. Uh, be sure to check us out on social media at Smoking Jays Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And show your support for the network at Fourth Wall Pop on Instagram and Twitter as well. Be sure to leave a comment. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a like. Tell all your friends to check us out. And on behalf of Just Jared, on behalf of our amazing guest, T, I am Johnny Bones. We are the Smoking Jays. And until next time, I'll see you when I'm looking at you. Don't want to forget. I sure don't, did. Don't want to forget to record. That was some amazing humming. <laughs> iPhone. That could mean only one thing. There's only one don't, smart don't, person don't in the start. room.
Don't start, Jared. One day, you will convert to the dark side. You'll see. Cold day in hell. Because I have this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a great device. It does everything I need. This thing, I want to throw out the fucking window. So dramatic. Are you, thing, are you with? Hmm? Your thing is not allowing me to see you, by the way. Hmm. Where, how do I? There's so many punchlines that I could do. Oh, with I that. see. Oh, no, but we don't see you though. Well, I have an iPhone. Mm. No, it doesn't work, Tom. That's the problem. Shut up. Shut up, Jared. If it was an Android, it would work just fine, but that's that's not true at all. <laughs>